The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. because my first guest tonight is an Emmy award-winning journalist you know from CNN and CBS's 60 Minutes. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Anderson Cooper! People they, like them, some Anderson Cooper. They, they thought it was Alice Cooper. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You get it mixed up a lot, do you? I, I do. I, yeah. uh, nice to see you again. It's good to see you. Everything's going great. Swimmingly, isn't it? Yeah, well, the world. Yeah. Yeah, the, the world. world. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not for everybody. <laughs> the news these days is the caviar of appetizers. <laughs> Some people just you know, taste like spoiled fish. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I assume because you're a newsman. Mm. You were watching the testimony the last two days on Capitol Hill. Sure, yeah. Okay. The Mnuchin uh, chairwoman Waters was Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I interviewed her last night. Why do you think that was her. such a, a loggerhead? It was just so weird. Like, she would say something, and then he would be like, I don't know what you're saying. I see your mouth. It was, it was just a very weird, like, disconnect. He thought that everything was a she trap. Did, was she a trap somehow. She didn't want to go on record as dismissing him, as, like, kicking... As, as, uh, like, he didn't want to get up and walk out. Right. He wanted to be kicked out by her. Yeah, or allowed. Well, or, or forced to stay. Yeah, yeah. But she wouldn't force him to stay, but she also wouldn't kick him out. It was like, a, it was like Game of Thrones. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll, uh, get, you there. Know. we'll get there. Now, okay. also, Barr, both, both Mnuchin and Barr were very much like, uh, they're pushing back in like almost a teenager kind of way. Yes. Like when asked about the Mueller report and some of the decisions he made, Barr said, I've said all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. And the, there's like nothing they can do. They're just like, no, I'm not going to discuss that anymore. But he, they could call him out and say, well, wh- wh- what do you mean? This is this yeah. concerns the American people. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, Congress isn't the great best place for Q&A. You know what I mean? Like, like Congress, uh, like, often, don't you get frustrated watching some of the 
because they all want to make statements. A lot of the Congress people want to make like a like a four minute statement, and they have six minutes total a lot of time. So right, like they yeah, sure. waste a lot of time making a statement. Well, but if even if they ask the right questions, some say they don't get the right answers, and these people are you know under oath. Do you, do you, do you ever? Do you ever think, how am I going to get a straight answer out of these people if they won't do it under oath, yeah. you know, in front of constitutionally mandated officers? Yeah. Well, I don't expect a straight answer. I mean, do you? Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> I mean, that's what the job is. It's yeah, like, I you expect, so. Like, is that why so you, the, the key how, is to be armed with facts that you know what they're going to say and where they're going to lie. Now, tell me about these facts. I've heard a lot about these facts. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard these facts. So that's why you use news people to use those gotcha questions, right? It's not those... a gotcha. There's no such thing as a gotcha. I don't know what a gotcha question is. You don't want a gotcha question? No, what is a now gotcha? Now you're just playing dumb. Now you're just playing dumb. <laughs> gotcha, when you present facts to a politician. Yes, a gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> um, now, last night... I had uh, the lovely and talented Emily Bazelon here. Mm-hmm. You know yes, Emily. Yes, I saw it. And uh, we discussed a scenario. I asked her, like, what if, what if um, uh, Congress subpoenas the entire Mueller, Mueller report, report? The unredacted version. Unredacted right, yes. Mueller report. Or even a, a court says uh, you can unredact the grand jury testimony and you've right. got to let Congress see it. Not even the right. public, just Congress see it. And the administration goes, no. Right. And I said, like, so what happens? What happens? Like, right. you and what army, is the old saying. Right. Goes, Congress will be like, oh, yeah, well... We're going to okay. be mad about it. <laughs> but look, no, I mean, if, if... I mean, yes, if it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says you have to release the unredacted version to Congress, not even to the public, as you said, uh, they would have to abide by that. Why would they have to abide by that? What happens if they don't? What has ever happened to this man <laughs> for breaking a norm? That's, uh, that what worries me. You would eventually think, we're going to get yes. to a constitutional loggerheads you would, and, no one, and, and, and none of his Well, the, the, the hope care. would be that responsible people in the administration would... <laughs> You're good. You're really good. Zing! Zinger! <laughs> you snuck that one in. Yeah? W- would resign. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> would be like, look, yeah, this, sure. is, this is the Supreme Court. They have ruled... We, we are a system of laws. We're a nation of laws, and we have to follow them. You're adorable. Now, <laughs> does anything matter anymore, Anderson Cooper, if we're all just going to be swallowed by a black hole? <laughs> You're obsessed with this black hole. Uh, it was very yeah. exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. It's, it, I, you know, when I was reading about it, it's one of those things that... Do you remember when you were a kid and you were told that, like, if you chewed Pop Rocks and drank soda at the same time... You would die. They would explode. That's true. That is true. That's what I feel like reading about the black hole. Like it blows my mind. How is space endless? Like what? What does that mean? How is that possible? What does endless mean? I'm not sure if it actually is endless. It's not, what, what does it stop? Uh, there's some is weird there concept where space is bent. Is that where the wall actually exists? Somewhere in deep outer space? I don't know. Oh no. All new. Right. If you tear the more down, we build, the less and less. If you, <laughs> if you tear down an old wall and you replace it in the exact same spot, new wall. It's new wall. It's new wall. It's new wall. It's yes. New wall. Mexico still hasn't paid for it, but it's allegedly new wall in the upside down universe we now live in. Uh, we have to take a little bit of a break. Right. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Anderson Cooper and his visit to the Game of Thrones set. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event details on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here in front of the show. Anderson Cooper is here. Now, you, you recently got a, a, a really delightful, and I'm kind of oh, jealous of this break you got I to know. take uh, from the hard news yes. to do a really important story. I did it, yeah. It's probably, but this is for the 60 Minutes. Yes, it's one of the most important stories I did. I, it's, uh, I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones. We've talked about yes. this. Yes, yes. Uh, and you have called me... Uh, you are the White Walker of cable news. Yes, you yes. have called me the White Walker of cable news. And so I got to 60 Minutes, asked me if I wanted to do a story about Game of Thrones. And I was like, yes. And I got to go to uh, L.A. to interview the producers and a lot of the, uh, you know, Daenerys Targaryen. And then I, lo- I don't like to call them by their real names. I like to call oh, them no, by their don't. character's names. <laughs> and I went to Belfast. And I got to go to Castle Black with, uh, with uh, Kit Harington. Sure. Uh, Jon Snow. And uh, I heard you had a little man crush on, on Jon Snow. Little? <laughs> he is adorable. He is, He's no, so I cute. I know. The whole building was in a slight yeah. swoon when he I was I couldn't here. really pay attention to what he was saying. I'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah? I was like, oh, next question? <laughs> professional. Okay. Be professional. Yeah, it's very yes, sad. Exactly. Yeah, every cutaway of me in the interview is like, I'm like this. <laughs> um... So we had to reshoot the cutaways. Or uh-huh. more sure, serious. sure, sure. I'm kidding, we didn't do that. But uh, so I got to go to Castle Black, and then uh, Kit Harrington took me to this warehouse outside Belfast where every prop from Game of Thrones, the entire, all seasons, are stored in this room. And literally, they, like, they open up a box, and uh, you can take out, like, Ned's Ice. head. No, oh, Ned's what? head. Like, what? Ned Stark's head. Is, Is he, he okay? I know. <laughs> Not looking too good. Really? Yeah. Well, I haven't uh, finished yeah. season one. I haven't finished season one yet. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Okay. I love Sean uh, Bean. Love Sean Bean. But it's very excited. So I, uh, because I told them that you said I looked like a white walker, they offered to make me into a white walker. And I think we have a, I have a clip here of your transformation. Yes. Jim? I keep forgetting that I'm dressed like a White Walker. Like, when, you would think when you would feel this, but it actually, after a while, it just kind of feels like your regular skin. I think the temperature of the piece is warm up to your um, body temperature, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's quite easy to forget that you're wearing something. It is, it is like a second skin. Well, to really be a White Walker, I mean, I have blue eyes, but I need CGI in my eyes. Yeah, extra sparkle that, yeah, <laughs> and the CGI can give you, yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I shot the uh, the sixty minutes. You know, the hi, I'm Anderson. Co- I'm Anderson Cooper. It's not in six minutes. I shot it as a White Walker. I don't know if they're going to use it, but I hope it's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be it's on, on this Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you like, pry I'm any Steve secrets Croft. from the the? the no, cast? no, them would talk. No, I, 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 uh, I begged them, uh, but you know, for answers, I, Peter Dinklage came close, but he was okay. just toying with me. 
now, your friend and counterpart on the AC2 tour... Yes, Andy okay, Cohen. Andy Cohen, the great Andy Cohen, he recently, he recently had a son. He Here has a son, Benjamin, yes. as uh, Uncle Anderson yeah. right there. Yeah. How do you... Uh, do you like being Uncle Anderson? I do. So, if you look closely at, at Benjamin's face in that picture, he's got an amazing side eye. Yes. Like, I don't know if you notice this. He's got this side eye look. Like, he's very judgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, in general, I think babies are very yeah. judgy. But he's particularly judging. He's looking down here. He's yeah. looking down here. If you get the shot of that, he's looking at you like, who's this bookish lumberjack? <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep yeah. telling. So you know, Andy and I do this tour together, and uh, in fact, we're we're playing in the Beacon Theater in the end of June in Baltimore, May 11th. Wow. Uh, I want Andy to take the kid on tour because I think the kid has been freeloading long enough. It's been like two months. Come on. It's time to monetize him and just like. You know, he, it's about time he contributed. Now you're thinking show business. Yes! Get, it's like, push that kid out. It never hurt, you know, like, Liza Minnelli. She did it. She was out there. No. Uh, Young children Judy in show Garland. business. Best possible thing for them. It's good for, for them. them. Exactly. Yes. Um, I know. I was a child model. I know how it is. You were a child model? I was. Yeah. What did you model? I was uh, for the Ford Modeling Agency. I used to, like, all children... You don't model it. All the, what you do as a child model is just this. Yeah. I modeled. Yeah. I totally see it. Yeah. I totally see I it. I was a fittings model also for like Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein. So I used to go to their offices and like Ralph and his brother Jerry would like put the new clothes on me and like sew them on and stuff. Yeah. When are you going to write the book? I, 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 you know, I, I needed to, I had to contribute as a kid. I mean, my mom was like, you know what? It's time you get out there. You're 10. I mean, you've wasted 10 years of earning. So. That's yeah. a harrowing tale. Well, you know. <laughs> Uh, thank you so drawn to Game of Thrones. Yes. No. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Sunday night. Yes. E, Game minutes. of Thrones. White Walkers win. 60 minutes airs Sundays on the CBS. Anderson Cooper, everybody. Coming up, John Dickerson. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost... Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. guest tonight has been reporting on Washington since 1995, and nobody's better at making sense of it. Please welcome John Dickerson. First of all, how's 60 Minutes? It's great. It is great. They, the reputation they have, it turns out, for a reason. Yeah. 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 Really it's good. news that people still watch. Yeah. And everything polished and polished and polished at every level. It's great. Well, we uh, have got uh, big news to break to this audience, at least, because it broke while they were seated here. They don't know this. Let me just uh, read this here. This just broke. Michael Bloomberg is expected to file to get on the Democratic ballot in Alabama's presidential primary. Why now? By the way, you only heard one woo. (laughs) A a single woo candidate. uh, In New York. Yes, exactly, in New York, which... We can talk about that in a moment. I think... So I've called two people about this. One person said he's running. 
uh, and these are people who are close to Mike Bloomberg. The other person said he's putting on his running shoes. He's done polling. And, you know, he's done this before. He's thought about getting in or not. Yeah, he actually put organizations in all the states. He in was all ready the states. to go, right? He was ready to go. He was thinking about vice presidents. He was ready to go and decided that there were too many hoops in Democratic politics to jump through that he wasn't naturally associated with. He's not a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, which is why you only got one woo. Um, he's been a Democrat, he's been a Republican, and he's been an Independent. Right, exactly. And, but what he has decided, they've looked at the polls, and the concern is that the party has gone too far to the left, but they decide, the thinking is there's only room for one moderate. And the moderate in the race right now, which is to say Joe Biden, isn't getting the job done, and so Mike Bloomberg thinks there's a place for him. So this is really... It's a, it's I had a heard that he wasn't going to run because right. Biden was getting traction. Right. So, but this just cuts him off at the legs if people believe that Bloomberg's right. Then that's right, bad exactly. for Biden. And by the way, even if people don't agree with what uh, Bloomberg is doing, it raises this question. And in other words, Joe Biden is so weakened that another person had to come in to rescue the moderate message in the, in the, in the race. Which Isn't is not Mayor great. Pete the guy ready to step in for Joe Biden? <laughs> Because Mayor, Mayor Pete wants to occupy, and so does Klobuchar, want to op occupy that moderate lane. Well, and Mayor Pete is running on a kind of quasi-Bloomberg argument, which is to say, I've been an executive, I've, I've been in combat, so in other words, I've faced a little bit of the testing that you face, or you need to face, or some people believe you need to face, before you go into this big and important job. Now, Bloomberg would argue, well, but I've, you know, been a CEO and I've been a mayor, so that would be his argument. But yes, Mayor Pete is the, would be the, uh, the kind of understudy to Biden in the, in the, um, in the moderate lane. If I can mix my acting and sure, my uh, go running Sure, go right ahead, sure. <laughs> um, now, what about Warren? Because Warren is leading in some polls. Recent polls come out, she was leading in Iowa significantly. She's doing well in New Hampshire. What does this mean to Warren if Bloomberg jumps in, because a lot of billionaires are not happy about her. I wonder why. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I think in, it, it's a good sign for Warren in the sense that Bloomberg is concerned that the party is going in that direction, and he wouldn't be concerned if she weren't doing well. Uh, so she is, uh, you know, the, the party is having this big open debate, and Mike Bloomberg has decided he wants to get right in the middle of it. There are only, according to Fortune magazine, 607 billionaires in the world. Why do we care what they think? And because there's a lot more of us, and they've got too much money. Give your money to people who need it, and collective, collective distribution of your wealth is not anti-American. It's as American as Eisenhower. Uh, well, and by the way, of those number of billionaires, they probably aren't that many in the caucus states in, in Iowa and in New Hampshire, so they're right. really even less important. Why I is it a bad idea to attack billionaires, I suppose? I don't think in the Democratic Party it's a bad idea at all. I mean, that's why Elizabeth Warren is, is doing well. pretty well, yeah. I think, I think she's... Because what, what her argument is, is, look, the, the capitalism has come to a problem, and it needs some management, as she would argue has always been the case with capitalism in America. It has not just been the unfettered market. And so it needs some intelligent management because we have these great disparities and, and there is this great inequality. That is her case, and so she uses them as the, uh, the kind of the boogeyman in, in making that case by saying, look at how the system has been tilted so much to that very, very small number of people. Now, um... We just heard in my monologue, if that's the first place you've heard it, that uh, Donald Trump is uh, talking with Mark Burnett about his job after the presidency. Uh, the Apprentice, the White House, is, is one possibility. So if Trump does ever leave the White House, 
what is that job going to be like for the next person? Because you wrote uh, a cover article for The Atlantic, and I know you're working on a book about this, right. about the, the presidency, What's it, what do you call it, the hardest job? The hardest job in the world. The, right. uh, the argument of the book is essentially the job's different than the thing we talk about in campaigns. In campaigns, the candidates are talking about big, huge issues, a Medicare for all, um, these large, enormous issues. Let's imagine a Democrat gets elected, Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. Um, Hold on. Yeah, got to let it breathe. Yeah, okay. I have bad timing in that way. Um, uh, what the country? If that's the scenario, the country will have decided there needs to be a restoration of the norms and practices of the presidency. Mm -hmm. There also will have been a very ugly fight between now and that that election because we've already seen it. It's going to get uglier. So, and the country will have been through this three years of unpredictability and sort of being up on tiptoe. A Democrat will come in, the country may not be ready for a lot of big grand plans, like a big change of the American healthcare system. And there's gonna be a lot of restoration work to do. Most of it's gonna be overseas. A lot of it's gonna be in secret, covert stuff that we don't even know about. So, candidates make these plans and then they come into the job and it is wildly different than they, than they think. And I should finally add that after a scorched earth campaign, which looks like what we're gonna have, how easy is Congress gonna to be to deal with? There are going to be a lot of Republicans in this scenario who are not going to be that anxious to maybe work with a Democratic president. So getting legislation through, even if you try and bank shot it through with the reconciliation process, will be very difficult. So expectations for a Democratic whirlwind in the first 100 days should probably be lowered a bit. Well, we have to take a little bit of a break. Uh, please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Mr. John Dickerson from 60 Minutes. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Sweetheart, John Dickerson is here. Uh, what are Republican senators uh, that you've spoken to saying behind closed doors, if you had a chance to, about the prospect of sitting for the impeachment trial in the Senate? Because it really does look like there's going to be an impeachment in the House. Well, I was smiling only because all politics is local. One of the first things they're all coming to grips with if there is a trial is that in the trial they cannot have their phones with them. They can't pass the time by, you know, whatever they, one would do on a phone, and they can't talk with each other. So it's like being back in third grade. You have to stare straight ahead, pay careful attention, and, and so they're thinking, first thought is about the, the actual process of going through the trial. What are they thinking about politically? Well, they're thinking about a highly improvisational president responding to these daily pieces of news, and they will have to sit in judgment, but also... But they won't know what his tweets are while it's going on <laughs> until they leave the room. Right. So it'll be a full day of trial, and they won't know what the president thinks. And, and yet, they are not unfamiliar with not knowing what the president thinks. <laughs> in the... <laughs> Even when you hear what he says. <laughs> um, 
But it's, um, and, and if you think about one of the things that's, that's extraordinary is we're about a month into this, and there is still not a single line about what the president did or didn't do with respect to Ukraine. You've asked this question several times on Twitter that I really like. Could you f phrase this, like, break down the question for us? Well, I think for me the main question is, is, is it that the president did not try to get Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? Is that it, that it didn't happen at all? Or is it that he tried to do it and it failed? and that that's okay. So it's either he didn't do it at all, or he did, and it's okay. But we haven't, there are two different, you're getting two different things. The president's saying he didn't do it at all. It wasn't his intent. Then you have other people, Wall Street Journal editorial page, for example, that says, sure, it was self-serving, but it's not worth impeaching him over. But there's, there's still no single line. It seems mm -hmm. to me that after a month, you sh there should be one answer. Well, um, and there's Lindsey Graham's response, which is, I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem, though, it seems to me, though, if you say, uh, yes, the president did what is alleged, but it's not impeachable. What you then seem to be also signing up for is, uh, well, the, pre the president said he didn't do it. So the president, if you buy this line of thinking, and the president lied to the public, to s senators, and to American ambassadors. So then you have to say, well, doing that is wrong, but not impeachable. Then you have to think of all the things that were done in defense of the president, uh, which includes besmirching the, the reputation of those people who have now been proved right, you have to say, well, that was wrong, but not impeachable. So you're signing up for a lot if you say the actual conduct of the president was wrong, but not impeachable. And I don't know if those who hold the wrong, but not impeachable position understand the kind of basket of goods that they're signing on to, if that's what they decide to do. All they have to do is be okay with the president having lied. And after 11,000 lies, that's just a needle in a crap stack. Well... <laughs> Well, in this case, what you have, the question at issue here is whether the president warped the U.S. foreign policy for personal goals. It's okay for the president to use statecraft, but he has to use it for the state, not for himself. And so that is a bigger and more monumental thing than the crowd size at his, at his, at his inauguration. And, and it also, secondarily, you have this other thing, which is once the president initiated, and I'm not saying this has been proved, I'm saying if you go down this road, once a president initiates behavior, it, the system takes it over. So ambassadors start being launched. Other ambassadors are brought back. People start defending the president. There's lots and lots of ripples here. And then the president also created what was called the irregular channel uh, by Bill Taylor. That's going around U.S. policy. Mm -hmm. Now, our, that's Rudy Giuliani. That's Rudy Giuliani, yes. And mm -hmm. so uh, are people okay with creating an entirely new conduit for U.S. foreign policy? They might be. But what was the purpose of that conduit? Is it okay to create a kind of lane around if it's just for the service of the president's personal political gain? Those are a lot of more serious level questions than some of the things that, that would have been marked down as lies in the past, I think. There are, uh, experts are saying this could be wrapped up by Christmas. You're an expert. Do you think this will be wrapped up for Christmas? Are we having an impeachment underneath the Christmas tree on the December 25th? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know. That would be about three weeks because they're going to take a week off probably for Thanksgiving. So that would be very fast. And, and I mean, I suppose they can, look, they have the majority in the House. They could do this as fast as they'd like. The question is, what's their goal? Do they really want to try and have something airtight to go to trial in the Senate? Are they just trying to do something, um, you know, to make a, have, have a message point about the president? It depends on what their goal is. But that'll be, that'll be quite fast if they do that. And another thing, another argument you can make is, well, it's that fast because they have a pretty clear narrative and their witnesses are career foreign service officers, lieutenant colonels in the Army, who tend to be sort of uh, more credible than your sort of typical partisan hack, which is what most of our debates are, are occupied by.
Some people are being called to testify and they're just not showing up. Yeah. Like Bolton, who's supposed to testify today, just didn't show up. But he's indicated that he's willing to if they take him to court to show right. up. If they, right. And, and if they spin him and they take him to court, then he might show. The Washington Post has a, has a piece that say people close to Bolton say he will show up. But Schiff is saying we're not going to do that. We're just going to write that down as another form of obstruction by not showing up. It depends. Yes, he doesn't. Schiff doesn't want to go spend a lot of time in the court because that's a briar drawn, patch, right? It's a briar patch gets drawn out, and it and it they think hurts them politically. The Democrats, but if Bolton were to come and talk, it's yet another fact witness. I mean, he he compared, according to the reporting, what Rudy Giuliani was doing. He called it a drug deal or something. I mean, mm -hmm. so and that Giuliani is a hand grenade. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's not, that's not good. Yeah. Um, so, um, and no well, one can find the pin. <laughs> so, but we, we don't know. But, you know, once you have all of these separate characters saying a version of the same thing without having coordinated their stories, mm -hmm. it tends to, in traditional American politics, it tends to strengthen the story. And so he would be another person. Also, he was there while the policy was being made or, or unmade, as the case may be. Um, last question. How goes the republic? <laughs> fine. We're fine. We're fine. We are a durable. Really? We are a durable. That's good to hear. We are a durable country, and we've been through a whole lot worse. And we have good people in this country, uh, present company excluded. <laughs> John, thank you so much. You can see him on 60 Minutes right here on CBS. It's a pretty good show. John Dickerson, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to the Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.